Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Cross Country Sports Podcast. I'm Noah Friedman, and I'm actually joined by Elijah Zalonki. Elijah, how you doing? You know what I realized? I'm good, by the way. But uh, you know, uh, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. You know, you know what I realized? It was so interesting to me. So the Bucks went to play the New England Patriots last week, right? In that revenge game. And, and, and Tom Brady is the Bucks quarterback, but he actually used to play for the Patriots. What? I know, right? For like so 20 years, like, right? It was kind of like a it was kind of like a revenge game type thing because he like went in to the place where he played for so long. But he wasn't like on the team that was at home. He was right. he wasn't the, the home team this time. He, he was he was on the opposing team this time, which is just just crazy to me. That was that, that was an insane game. We can talk about that game because yeah, it, that was, was it, it was Sunday night football spectacular. In the elements in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium between the Patriots and the Buccaneers, Tom Brady returning to his home roots where he was drafted uh, in the sixth round, number 199 overall by Bill Belichick and the Patriots, replaced Drew Bledsoe after he got hurt to open up the season and basically never looked back winning six Super Bowls with the franchise. Here we go. Everything played about. And it was a 1917 finish. The Buccaneers came out on top. And if we're talking game to game, I am shocked that Bill Belichick, of all people, arguably one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, decides to send out Nick Folk for a 56-yard field goal on fourth and three from the Tampa Bay 37-yard line in the elements, in the snow, in the wind, or not so, in the rain, in the wind, whatever it may have you, and they end up losing the game with you almost 50, made it. With 59 seconds to go. You got real close. Like that hit the that hit the yellow. But like Matt Jones was doing really well i mean was doing fine he he was he was in it to win it and i i i really didn't like the decision by belichick on fourth and three the whole game was marred with questionable decisions and i i will say like i it absolutely lived up to the hype like i thought that the bucks would win by more um but I, i should never underestimate belichick like that um but i just gotta say like that was yeah, I, I agree. I, I would not have kicked the field goal right there as close as he did get. I think that spoke a little bit about that maybe Belichick doesn't trust his quarterback as much as uh, we might think he does. However, that game plan, whatever game plan that the Bucks put together, or not the Bucks, that the Patriots put together, I kept on getting confused between the two teams with Brady on the other sideline. Like, sure. the whole game was just so confusing to watch. But, like, the, the, the game plan the Patriots put together, they ran the ball, I think, a grand total of eight times, which is just – insane to me they didn't even try to get anything going on the ground and i guess that's because the bucks really did cry crowd the line of scrimmage and dared mac jones to make a play and he did you know he made a bunch of plays he was able to you know hit the open man uh find his guys downfield what i noticed what mac jones like he's he's the most one of the most fundamentally sound quarterbacks you'll see that doesn't mean he's like you know i mean for a rookie especially he's like you know, he's got very disciplined footwork. He goes through his progressions. Like he, he was, he was impressive. Um, but what that game taught me is that football is chaotic and you put the best coach against the best, uh, the best uh, quarterback of all time. And you're going to get a very, very, very good game. And that's what we got. And I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the kid, the kid impressed me. And I think he, could have picked up those three yards and got that win 
But what, what surprised me even more was that uh, I believe when the, the Patriots were driving, they had the ball like at the 35 yard line or something. And it was before the two minute warning. And on second and seven, Brady takes a shot to the end zone to Antonio Brown incomplete. And then on third and seven, he tried the exact same thing. And it was just like, I figured they would have wanted to run the ball, you know, keep the, keep the Patriots from having any time for a last minute drive. Uh, that play calling confused me a little bit. And I felt like situational football wise, that wasn't the smartest thing for Tom Brady to do. However, I think that he really, really, really wanted to throw a game when he touched pass. And I think that that overtook his logic for a little bit. And that's okay because every now and then Tom Brady is allowed to have a lapse in logic because, well, I mean, he's Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, it wasn't smart play calling at all. Um, and they got lucky that it didn't end up biting him in the ass, but it didn't. So it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about the incompletions and the play calling from Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, I that, mean, was that was, that wasn't, that wasn't Leftwich. Leftwich would have called runs. I, I promise you Brady was the one who decided to throw it deep there. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, I mean, in, in any case, that's how it worked out. Brady ended up going 22 of 43, 269 yards, had a passer rating of 71. If you want to round it up, he, he wasn't impressive. I mean, he, he was obviously the story because of everything going on around the, the game, but he didn't impress at all. I mean, not to be confused with the fact that he didn't have Rob Gronkowski, who was still nursing a hip injury. He also didn't have one of his running back targets, Giovanni Bernard, as well. Um, yeah. Ronald Jones had an eight-yard touchdown run. That was fine. I mean, listen, when you're going to be – He wasn't efficient. No, absolutely not. And when you're going to be playing against a Bill Belichick defense, you know you're going to get a low-scoring game. It's kind of like in basketball, there's that coach for the New York Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, who was in Minnesota and then previously in Chicago um, playing for Elijah's Bulls – or coaching Elijah's Bulls. And I always look at their schemes, and they're just like total defense, total defense, total defense. And then I look at the NFL equivalent of that. It's Bill Belichick, total defense, total defense, total defense. That's why he's probably the greatest schematic defensive coach of all time. And we, we knew that this was going to happen. We knew that the rain would play a part. I mean, it caused both field goal kickers, Ryan Suckup and Nick Folk to miss field goals. But it was, like you said, it lived up to the hype. It was very entertaining. It Such a delight. Possession. Like, it was great. Such a great name. My theory is that, my theory is that the Bucks signed Richard Sherman because I don't know if he's going to last in the NFL at this point. I think they signed him because... They, like I think one of their selling points was you could be a part of this game because this game like this is going to be one of those that's like a historic um you know like, like people are going to look back on this game as one of the more historic regular seasons game regular season games in NFL history because of the stakes behind it and everything and it's just like you know like like there are a lot of people that played a part in this game that um that are going to like tell their grandkids about it like they, I, I really think it's that big of a deal and I know that it was very very hyped up by NBC sports and everything but it deserved the hype after watching these guys like monopolize our Super Bowls for the past what two decades um it was you know it was fun to see him finally go at it and man Belichick threw everything at Brady let me tell you like he and it, and it nearly worked a lot of it worked you know like he confused the hell out of his former QB, and it was just uh, it was just great to see. Just it was. 
And, and thank you also, by the way, Elijah, for mentioning NBC Sports and their coverage, because I, I think we can both agree that NBC Sports and Sunday Night Football produces the best football uh, sports cast that you're going to see nowadays. And I, I, I think that the Manning broadcast is much better at this point, honestly. <laughs> Eli and Peyton, that's like, that's my favorite at this point. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Yeah. That's, that's NBC, fair does, NBC does a good job, but like the Manning Brothers broadcast is like... <laughs> so hard to top that. That's that's fairly new. So okay, I'll I'll give you that. It's you know kind of like the the new kid on the block coming in and completely take over the day, neighborhood. That's fine. But I'm glad you mentioned NBC Sports because Drew Brees is now an NBC Sports analyst. He does the color commentary for Notre Dame football, and he's also a studio analyst for Sunday Night Football. But of course, because of the stakes of the game, they ended up sending Brees and the entire Sunday Night Football crew to Foxborough uh, to cover it and. Tom Brady ended up breaking Drew Brees' all-time passing record um, in the game as well. And so Brees got to witness his counterpart, Brady, uh, passing him in the record books. So I thought that was a very cool moment as well. Um, I don't know if you saw the pregame show, uh, Elijah, but um, because it was raining there, everybody was holding umbrellas except for one of the analysts, and that would be former former New England Patriots safety, Rodney Harrison, who had somebody holding the umbrella for him. Uh, Yeah, I mean... Dude didn't want to get wet, but he didn't want to put in the work. Literally, you you have two hands. You hold the microphone with one hand. You hold the umbrella with the other hand. I mean, that that was definitely one of the most stirred up moments in all of social media uh, over the course of that I Sunday. Can't, I can't say I thought much about that, to be completely honest. Okay. Um, but regardless, <laughs> regardless, though, I mean, you know, just all around great presentation, great experience. And uh, I... You know, we won't have a game quite like that ever again. So I, it, it was freaking awesome. I, I I loved it. I loved watching it. It was great. Um, Elijah, since we have a little bit of a lull here, let's uh let's talk your Chicago Bears for a second because they ended up beating the Lions, sending them to 0 4, 24 14. Uh, Justin Fields got a start again, and Matt Nagy announced um earlier this week that he's the permanent starter moving forward, barring injury, but also um the big stirring topic that I'd like to ask you about because you're very passionate about it um, in back and forth text with me uh, off the air was David Montgomery. And you initially Ooh. thought that the injury was terrible, terrible, terrible. Turns out it looked bad. It, it, it looked did look really bad, bad, but four to five weeks is what they're saying at this point. So he's obviously going to miss some time. So now that we kind of know a little bit more on the timeline, how are you feeling now about the bears and their most recent news? Well, I mean, the Montgomery injury still hurts four to five weeks without your best player is going to suck. Um, however, you know, uh, it, it is much better than what I anticipated because he, you know, crumpled to the ground, helmet came off, which is never a good sign, and was just writhing in pain. Uh, and, you know, given how tough he is, like, you don't see that often. So it was just, you know, it definitely soured the victory a little bit. But now I'm able to enjoy it more in hindsight because I know that it wasn't as severe an injury as it looked. Um also, great game uh, for Bears fans. Pretty forgettable uh, if you're not a Bears fan, just in general. But, um, you know, Justin Fields looked great. You know, he didn't throw the ball many times, but when he did throw the ball, good things happened. He had one interception on a tipped ball. Can't put too much blame on him for that. Good play by the linebacker. But um, other than that, you know, he drove the team down uh, for, on four separate scoring drives, three field goals and a touchdown. Um and he and Darnell Mooney showed a really, really strong connection. Um, so, yeah, you know, as a, Bears, as a Bears fan, can't really complain about that. But, like, also, it is the Lions. They're terrible. 
and we are expected to beat the Lions at home every single season. Um, you know, he, he didn't do anything that uh, Chase Daniel couldn't do. He didn't do anything that Mitch Trubisky couldn't do. He didn't do anything Jay Cutler couldn't do. Um, and I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just saying, like, the Lions are consistently the same bad team year after year after year. And I know they're a little, you know, they, they, they might be trending upwards with a new coach and a new front office, but they're still the same Lions as of right now. Um, so I'm not particularly impressed by the team they beat, but it's nice to see that Justin Fields um, is every bit as capable of beating bad teams as I thought he was. Um, and I do think that this is something to grow on, something to build upon, and I think he'll end up doing a good job um, even when we play uh, much more formidable opponents. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that when we first started out doing this podcast for our regular season analysis, we had talked about how the Bears had traded Anthony Miller to the Texans. And now the most recent news is that he got released by the Texans. And <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you were like, okay, really? after Alan Robinson, who the hell is the second option for the quarterback to throw to? Now we've got that answer. I mean, Darnell oh, Mooney is the guy. I mean, it's, I mean, it's I've, a- I've talked about Mooney on this podcast before. Like, we've known Mooney's been the guy since like since last season. Like, he came onto the scene and was immediately, you know, like immediately, he wasn't like blowing anyone away, but he was super consistent. I think he had a, a, upwards of sixty catches last year, and like he was, you know, just really good on bubble screens, but also able to like run the deep routes, like really solid route tree and there's a compilation on, on YouTube of him just getting completely overthrown by Nick Foles, which is pretty hilarious. Um, so like, you know, like he schooled Jalen Ramsey on Monday night football, but didn't get the ball thrown his way, even though we would have had a 98 yard touchdown or something. Um, 92, maybe, I don't know. Either way point is, yeah. You know, like Mooney's coming onto the scene and he's getting some notoriety from his last game. his first ever hundred yard receiving game. But at the same time, like, you know, bears fans, a lot of intelligent Bears fans knew that this guy's, this kid could be pretty special. Um, and I think he's going to be a very solid number two this season, and he'll eventually blossom into a number one. Uh, he's tough as nails, and uh, going forward, the Bears game plan is going to be sliding into the DMs. That's David Montgomery and Darnell, <laughs> making sure these two guys get the ball. Uh, and Justin Fields is going to do that. So I'm, uh, you know, definitely – like those three offensive players are something to look forward to for years to come. And I'm happy about it. And, and just to kind of put a side cap on it, the bears will also be pounding the DH, the Damian Harris. Um, so I, I, so I think Williams, Damian Williams, the DW, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah I'm, I'm for some reason I mixed up the Patriots running back and the bears running back. So probably because yeah, of both names Damian. Yeah, they're both named Damien. So apologies to anyone named Damien. So Damien, Damien Williams is a capable backup running back. Um, he played pretty well, even when Montgomery went down, albeit in a very short time frame. But um, and I like the new kid, Khalil Herbert. He's like if Khalil Mack married the Chargers starting quarterback, Khalil Herbert. Justin Herbert. Well, Justin Herbert, Khalil Mack, if they got married. He went to Virginia Tech, right? I'm pretty sure that's how I remember his name, Khalil Herbert. That sounds familiar. Let me look it up real quick, just to be. uh, I'm almost, I'm almost positive. I remember. Yep, Virginia Tech. Yep, he was a. uh, Kansas and then transferred. Yep, that's right. So, um, he also went to American Heritage um, School in Florida, and 
the only reason I know about American Heritage is because one of my childhood friends, Scott Wade, um, transferred there when he was in high school and he ended up kicking for uh, that team and he was a, a national champion uh, in Florida on that team. So, and then- shout, you know, out, shout out Scott Wade. Yeah, shout out Scott Wade. Uh, my my uh, my mom and his dad were actually, um, I don't know if they were friends, but they went to the same high school in Palm Springs, um, which is pretty funny. So uh, fun fact there. Uh, Elijah, let's talk about um, another game here. Um, real quick, real quick. Let me yeah. just plug. Um, so yeah, fantasy owners, Khalil Herbert might be a good sleeper to start this week if you're short at running back. Uh, I think he'll get a decent amount of carries because uh, while the uh, while Williams is obviously probably going to be the number one this week, um, he's more of a receiving back. Although he, he he could he could grind a bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Khalil Herbert be a bit of a touchdown vulture. Um, hopefully he gets in that situation, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to plug that and uh, go ahead. No, you wanted to move on, so. Yes, I did. I would like to talk about the the Arizona Cardinals. How about them going to Los Angeles and beating the Rams by 17 points? I mean, what can't Kyler Murray do? This this guy is the MVP frontrunner. 24 of 32 passing, 268 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the Cardinals slow dance. But you don't think he can slow dance, dude? Dude, he's like short, like. Dude, dude has moves. Like, have you I'm seen? I'm sure him? he could dance, but I don't know if he's like a really good like ballroom dancer. Gosh. Okay, so he's gonna have this lengthy NFL career. Then he's gonna go on Dancing with the Stars, just like Donald Driver did, and he's gonna win the competition. Just there, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. Okay, wow, that, that is bold. But hey, you know that, that could happen. You know, he he probably is a good dancer. Actually, he's very balanced. Yeah, yeah. man. And I gotta say, like, yeah, he did impress me. The Cardinals. That was a big statement win for them. Huge. I'm still. I still think that the way they play early in the season is not going to translate well later in the season. I think they're going to expend a lot of energy. And I also think that the Rams were like, like I think Julian Edelman said this on Inside the NFL. By the way, he's been killing it on Inside the NFL. He's awesome. I love watching it. I don't know if you – do you watch it, Noah? Uh, I used to. I don't watch it anymore, you unfortunately. get into it because it's, it's really fun. Um, but um, I think – that it was definitely a great win for Arizona. And like, they, they showed out the Rams seemed pretty tired from putting so much energy in against the bucks. Like, you know, the defending Super Bowl champs, uh, they, they seemed spent like very early against Arizona. Uh, having said that, uh, yeah, I mean, Arizona went in and took care of business and now they're the only undefeated team in the NFL. Amazing. And they, yeah, like they've been nothing but impressive so far. Um, however, like I said, I'm still wary of them. And I still think that the Rams, I still think that the Rams are more built towards a long-term success. I think that was, let me guess you're on NFL.com and you click the link and they always play the audio like immediately. That website is not very (laughs) user-friendly. Not ever since I was like seven years old. And watching highlights because that's what I did. Like that website has never been good for the user. But anyway, and I did it when you were talking. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. You're good. I, I know. I know. What you, I, I know you were still listening. And I know the, the point is, Cardinals played great, and I think that they're definitely going to make the playoffs. Uh, at the same time, I don't think that they are going to win in the playoffs because I just don't think that what they're doing right now is going to be sustainable throughout the course of a 17 game season. So 
what were your thoughts? Well, okay. First of all, what you're saying about the Cardinals is kind of reminder reminded me of when we talked about the opening game in week one on Thursday night between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers and the Cowboys just completely tore off Dak Prescott's arm because he threw like 58 times or something like that. So, and we we talked about how that wasn't going to be sustainable throughout a course of a season. So those comparisons right there between, I guess, one singular player and then one full team kind of had me thinking about that. But in terms of just what Kyler Murray is able to do, I mean, we can go back to his days at, first of all, he's at Texas A&M. Then he goes to Oklahoma because it didn't end up working out and just running away with the Heisman Trophy, um, bypassing his baseball career. I mean, there's a whole synopsis, probably a whole movie that you could do about Kyler Murray's career. And I remember Cliff Kingsbury, when he was the coach at Texas Tech, was saying if he wanted to start a franchise with any quarterback that he could pick, he would choose Kyler Murray. And sure enough, that marriage is a reality now because, of course, Cliff moved on to Arizona when he was fired by Texas Tech, and then Kyler was drafted number one overall. And here we are. I mean, this is finally what people have come to expect for this partnership. And yes, the Cardinals got better in the offseason by adding pieces like A.J. Green and J.J. Watt and still not giving Chandler Jones his money and he's playing angry. Uh, Chase Edmonds and James Conner are a really good partnership in the backfield. Max Williams has started to emerge as a really good tight end. And J.J. Watt is like this locker room guy who I feel like needed his second wind and he finally got it after all the turmoil that he went through with the Houston Texans. Um, The Cardinals are starting to look like the Buffalo Bills of 2020. I mean, in terms of their balance, like they're scary on defense too. I mean, Isaiah Simmons is starting to show Clemson Isaiah Simmons and you know, they, they lost Patrick Peterson, but who cares? Their secondary is still solid too. Like I I don't get it. Like the Rams have like, have been showing a balanced attack on offense. Yeah. Past week between Edmonds and Connor, uh, 30 total carries between the two of them, which is very nice to see. And Edmonds, by the way, averaged 10 yards a carry. I just want to throw that out there. But, um, but yeah, that's a good thunder and lightning that they have going. So yeah, you know, like they, they are improving, which is scary for the rest of the NFC. It is. And I guess since we talked about the NFC West, we had all four NFC West teams playing each other during week four. So the Cardinals played the Rams. Cardinals won by 17, like I said. Then we can talk about the Seahawks and 49ers from uh, Santa Clara. The Seahawks took home the 28 to 21 win. Um, I've mentioned in our mini-sode, I'm not sure if Elijah caught it, but I mentioned in our mini-sode how if the 49ers were down by a lot, they would turn on Trey Lance. But it turns out that Jimmy Garoppolo actually got hurt. So, I mean, I didn't think that it would happen with Trey Lance getting more reps in this case, but he... Very injury-prone. Yeah. um, So... If this is if this is going to be like a Justin Herbert, Tyrod Taylor situation, or even going back to the Brady Bledsoe analogy I was talking about before, I mean it's unfortunate, but if the 49ers want to make this move now, they can because Jimmy G's status as of we're recording this on Thursday, October seventh, um, his status is kind of up in the air. But Kyle Shanahan said there's a chance that he could play this upcoming Sunday. Um, Trey Lance is another quarterback. You know we talk about the rookie quarterbacks and Mac Jones looks like the best rookie quarterback of them all at this point in terms of just his efficiency, like you talked about, Elijah. But yeah. Trey, or Trey Lance came out and he 
struggled a little bit. The only big play that he really had was a 76 yard touchdown pass to Debo Samuel, um, which came on a busted coverage from the Seahawks secondary, which is awful by the way. So I've talked enough about how I feel about it. How did you feel about what you saw when you were looking things over between the Seahawks and the 49ers? Well, first of all, I don't think that Mac Jones is the best rookie by any means out of these quarterbacks. I think he is in the best situation. I think that, you know, going to a, an eight times Super Bowl champion coach eight times, remember he won two as a defensive coordinator with the giants, Belichick. Um, I think that certainly helped him. And I think that, you know, he's the most like, like he's the most robotic, which isn't an insult. That's like, John Boy said it in his video. He said like, you know, efficiency is a compliment you give your furnace because it's boring but like, you know, does the job, you know, that's what you want. Um, I think, uh, you know, but I think in terms of talent and in terms of like playmaking ability, I think that all the, all four other rookie quarterbacks, I'm not counting Davis Mills right now because I just don't, I mean, I, I, I just don't feel like it. Um, <laughs> I, just don't, I don't care to talk about the Texans too much. I just, they don't interest me. But, they lost um, 40 nothing to the Bills, by the way. So yeah, Yes. Um, but I, I just feel I think that those guys are, are more, uh, in general, more talented than, uh, than Mac Jones. However, I do think that uh, – I think Trey Lance will come in. I think he's in a very good situation too. I think he'll do an excellent job because he does have one of the best offensive minds in football in Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I think that this could be the beginning of a new era in San Francisco, which is always exciting. Uh, and I just got to say, Russell Wilson really, really, really came through as he always does, you know, Seahawks had the back, had their backs against the wall after falling to one and two. Uh, but Russ always stays cool, calm and collected. He even said before the, you know, uh, a little bit before the game, he said like, I love adversity. And he went out and backed that up by putting on a really good, putting on a really good show and, you know, being patient, efficient. I believe he only threw the ball 23 times, but he, uh, I think he completed 14 of them. So like he had a very good solid efficient game and uh, the Seahawks are right back in the mix in the a and the NFC West and that's uh that's good to see yeah the the Seahawks yeah. really yeah. needed this the, the Seahawks really needed this win because they had come off just a bombardment of Minnesota Vikings players in the last game that they played and yeah. they were able to do really well after the game was tied um it, it was a 21 point scoring effort for the Seahawks, 21 unanswered points um, to take that 28-21 victory. So, I mean, they were down 21-7. And Russ played like you, – you talked about it on multiple episodes of this podcast, just about how elusive he is, how he's the best to do it. And, like, he threw a touchdown pass to Freddie Swain. He spun out of traffic. Like, he was supposed to be sacked on that play. And he ended up getting the ball away to Freddie Swain on a really nice throw. I mean – Wait, the like, Seahawks were up 21-7. Yeah, Seahawks were up 21-7. Beg your right. pardon. Um, and, like, th- this guy, Russell Wilson, is just absolutely incredible. Um, you know he hasn't missed a game? Ever. Really? He's never missed a game. Oh. They remind, a game. Reminds me of uh, Quentin Nelson, who missed his first game for the Colts this past weekend. By the way, going back and watching that Colts-Rams game, the game where he did get injured – Watching Quentin Nelson against Aaron Donald, that was some of the best football I've ever seen. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. That was so cool. It was, that was fun. Watching that technique in the trench. Oh, my God. Like, just, 
beautiful. Watch Baldinger's breakdown of that because it was amazing. It was um, really, really fun to watch. You know what I've noticed with the Seahawks too, Elijah? So like they could plug in literally any running back. In the Pete Carroll era, they've been able to plug in any running back. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch was the main staple um, before he ended up calling it quits. But I mean, it doesn't matter who you put in. Chris Carson was a late round draft pick. Alex Collins, uh, especially in this game, was pretty impressive out of the backfield with 78 total yards. Um, and he had a touchdown run as well. But like- they have to respect the deep ball because Russell Wilson has the best deep ball in the game, arguably. Yeah, argue. Yeah, that's definitely arguable. But. I mean, I think it's like, I mean, top five for sure in terms yeah. of you know, just chucking it deep. Like, defenses, like, they can't respect the run, so to speak, because they have to respect the pass because you know Russ is, you know, you know, Russ wants to eat. Um, but he didn't need to throw super deep this game. Uh, and the, the, and they also won with a very balanced attack. Uh, you know, Carson and Alex Collins uh, split the carries at uh, 23 between the two of them. Um, and Russ, you know, scrambled a bit himself. Uh, and it led to, you know, like a very solid game plan. And, you know, I'm excited. Well, we'll talk about tonight's game later, but I am, I just got to say, I am excited to see um, how the Seahawks and Rams match up tonight. That's going to be a really fun one. It will be. Um the one thing I want to talk about really quickly before we move on to the next game is the 49ers special teams. Richard Hightower is the 49ers special teams coach. And uh, unfortunately his side did not give the 49ers a chance to win. Um, they ended up signing Joey Sly, the former Panthers kicker. And I guess he's played for the Texans this, this year as well. Um, so Robbie gold got hurt. He hurt his groin. Yeah, he's, not, he's, he's not good as gold. Uh, I see what you did there. Um, so yeah. they ended up turning to their punter, Mitch Wichnowski, to um, kick field goals, and he ended up missing a field goal and an extra point. Obviously, that doesn't change the score line because they lost by seven, but um, they didn't really have a plan because of how late the Robbie Gold injury was announced. Um, also, Trenton Cannon, their uh, re returner, he muffed a punt in the second half, and um, that gave the Seahawks more time to pounce and kind of break the game open at that point. And they also ended up committing the 49ers as a team, eight penalties for 78 yards. It's very, it's very unlike a Kyle Shanahan team to be that undisciplined. So um, those were just kind of the tools that I took out of it uh, in terms of uh, the 49ers kind of not giving themselves a chance to win um, in that yeah, game. No, I mean, you got to win in all three phases and they definitely botched a lot in special teams. And uh, they, you know, I just want to say like credit Trey Sermon having a great game too. And Debo Samuel, uh, Trey Sermon, one of those fantasy sleepers that is gonna uh, gonna be one of the more coveted running backs for a long time, I think. Um, however, you know, like like you said, got got to do better on special teams. That's uh, true. Special teams are, I mean, they're they're so critical. I mean, we always overlook it because we always want to talk about the really big name offensive players and big name defensive players, but special teams, man, they're people too. Got to be able to kick. Exactly. Uh, I want to talk a little bit real quickly. I want to talk about the Cowboys. Yeah. Real quick because obviously I had the Cowboys on my mind earlier. Just like they are so, um, you know, like I, I like to, I, I hate on them sometimes because it's the Cowboys. We all hate the Cowboys, but they, they, I think they've assembled a very good team. And I think that they've done that in the draft. Uh, I think that, you know, Dak is playing as well as he's ever played. Uh, they are running the ball really really well this uh memphis university of memphis is becoming rbu uh with uh tony pollard just 
uh, playing excellent football. Ezekiel Elliott had, you know, a, a throwback game this past week against Carolina. And Dak was, you know, he didn't throw much, but he was efficient. And they were able to get the win. I am very impressed with what they've done. I think that on defense, they've been excellent. Trayvon Diggs is becoming one of the best young corners in the league. And Micah Parsons is just a special player who could do everything defensively. He could get after the passer. He, you know, stops the run. The Cowboys, like, they they have something going there. And it's up to them to, uh, you know, like, we'll see if they keep it up. And it is early. And usually I don't, like, even when the Cowboys get off to good starts, I don't usually buy it. But I'm, like, I'm close to buying in on the Cowboys here because they, uh, like, they, 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 they've looked really, really impressive each of the first four weeks of the season. Um, I just want to throw that out there. I think it was uh, just an observation. No, that's, it's, it's a good point. It's a game that we definitely should talk about because they made the number one defense to this point look so silly, putting up 36 points on them, winning by eight. And what you talked about with the running game, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, I mean, that's a two-headed monster. The fact that both of those guys were able to coexist in Mike McCarthy's offensive scheme is great because then you can pound the rock. You can also give Dak the option of doing play action as well and taking deep shots down the field to Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. And I mean, it's, it works. Like the, the dominoes are slowly starting to fall into place. And you talked about the defense as well. I think, first of all, Dan Quinn, I mean, the job that he has done since he was hired as the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys this past offseason has been absolutely remarkable. I mean, oh, that so is, that's so the good. best assistant coaching hire of the offseason, no doubt. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree to that. You know, he almost won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Yep. And, uh, I mean, he's, uh, like, definitely been solid on the defensive side of the ball for Dallas. Just um, calling plays, putting his guys in the right position to succeed. Um, so yeah, that coaching staff has done its job. Yeah. This game to me did not say, it didn't say enough about the Carolina Panthers. It said more about the Dallas Cowboys and how Agreed. they're heading Agreed. in the upward direction. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that if the NFC East is going to have a contender, it's probably going to be Dallas just based off of how good their team is right now and how healthy their team is right now. So look at Washington football team. Um, I guess the I last. I completely agree. Although I do want to say that uh, Daniel Jones, I I, love, I I buy into Daniel Jones at this point with the Giants. I think he's very good, and I think people don't really see it. Yeah, I. You know what? He he showed signs this weekend. Um, in New Orleans. I mean, the Giants got a really good win in a really tough place to play. This was the first game that New Orleans had hosted since the uh, Hurricane Ida situation. So. The Giants come in. I mean, I had been tooting them in my picks for the past few weeks. I thought that they would finally get off the schneid, but then I end up picking the Saints. Um, by the way, I went ten and six in picks this week. Elijah went, oh, yeah, nine, I went seven. nine and we, seven. We, we totally forgot to mention that. Um, and this was a game that I did not pick correctly. I and be, and it's only because the Giants were on that losing streak. They were staring at zero and four. And sure enough, I don't know if it was the play calling of Jason Garrett or if it was. Saquon Barkley um, scoring on that wheel route and then ending up scoring the game winning touchdown as well. But I mean, the, this Giants team is such an anomaly. Like we talk about how the Steelers might be a team that is always up and then always down. I mean, the Giants are basically that. We we have no idea what their team identity is. I mean, they they showed tough resiliency in New I Orleans. Mean, 
But Recent years, they've been more, much, much more bad than good. But I just think that they they definitely have, like, they they are like the on the on the good side of bad at this point in their life as a franchise. If that makes sense, like they're certainly not as volatile as some other teams. Like the Panthers, you never know what you're getting with Carolina. Never, ever, ever. Year after year, they are so unpredictable. But the Giants, like. They they've been pretty steadily bad for the past few you know since uh, since they won the Super Bowl in eleven, but um, you know like they've had a couple okay seasons here and there. But I do think that they're leaving they're leaving bad territory if that makes sense. I mean, the, again, this is just about stability. Hiring the right coach is Joe Judge the right guy for this? And the Giants front office and their ownership group they always want to hire. They're not looking one or two years ahead. They're looking five, 10 years ahead. This is why coaches have um, been with the New York Giants franchise for a really long time. And it's up to Joe Judge at this point because the ball's in his court to kind of get over that hump, like you mentioned, and maybe distance themselves from the bad Giants teams and then maybe be on that higher trajectory. I'm just not sure because the NFL is always such a week-to-week thing if going one and three might be able to be that especially with the way that the cowboys are ascending um as well so we'll we'll have to see obviously it's a it's still a long season we're still not even a quarter of the way through yet i mean now now we basically are but um because we have 18 weeks instead of 17 but i'm kind of getting ahead of myself here um i guess the last game i want to talk about elijah is my colt speeding the dolphins they were also staring at 0-4 and hey, yeah that was huge good job yeah, guys huge win uh 27-17 in miami um, I finally, th- this was a game that I watched from start to finish because I was actually logging it at Fox and oh, Jonathan Taylor looked incredible. 16 carries, 103 yards and a tud. Carson Wentz actually ran the ball for the first time since he got to Indianapolis. Um, and it was only because of like a really bad play design that he was able to kind of get out in space and run for a first down. Um, very proud moment there. Um, but, um, awesome. D- Darius Leonard also played really well. Um, the Colts won in all three phases. They didn't give the Dolphins any sort of uh, chances to have good field position on special teams. Um, Shaquem Grant um, muffed a punt, and then he got traded to the Bears, right? Woo! Yep, he's yep. a bear now. He's a bear now. So um, Putting together sure. the ultimate Madden offense. Yeah. With these so, speed guys. It's crazy. So not entirely sure if uh, his play on Sunday dictated his trade to Chicago, but I think he's better for it, in my opinion. So we'll see, but um, just in terms of, I guess we can play devil's advocate here because I talked about the positivity with the Colts, but with the Dolphins, I mean, Jacoby Brissett played okay, not great, but it's like, I'm talking to one of my coworkers, he's a Dolphins fan, and he says, because Tua Tungabailoa is on injured reserve to give Jacoby Brissett the starting job, like even if Tua comes back, so... I find that yeah, too- I don't believe in Tua, honestly. If I'm like, I, I gotta be like, and look, I hope he proves me wrong. I like him, but I just don't think that he's gonna make it as an NFL starter. I just don't like, I think he's too injury prone. And I think that there's a reason why his teammates didn't vote him captain. Uh, I just wanna say that. Like, I just don't, like, I, I, I'd go with Brissett over Tua if I was Miami as well. Okay. All right. I, I can kind of see that. That's actually a really good point about the captaincy. I didn't even bring that into consideration when I brought it up, but that's definitely a really good point. 
Um, so the Dolphins are now one and three. They won, I think they won ten games last year. Yeah, they 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 won ten games, and it's just a matter now of them probably fighting for a wild card berth at this point because obviously the class of their division is the Buffalo Bills, and yes. the rest of the division's down. So it's just a matter of if the Dolphins can kind of rattle off some wins here and there against teams like the Jets, who got their first win this week in overtime over the Titans. That was an shocking, shocking win, but good for Zach Wilson upset special that we didn't really get a chance to talk about because, um, you know, it's the Jets and we didn't know if they'd win their first game at all, but sure enough, they did good for Robert Sala and the crew. Um, happy for him. Happy yeah. for him. Also, I, I just want to say about your, your Colts real quick. Yeah. That was probably the best Wentz has looked so far. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that yes, if y'all had a very strong running game and just committed to it, uh, Jonathan Taylor obviously had a really great game. Also, really spread the ball around nicely. Uh, I'm pretty sure ten, yeah, ten different receivers had catches, or ten different players had catches for Indianapolis. Um, and you know, between Pittman and Pascal, Mo Ali Cox. Mo Ali Cox. Can we just talk about Mo, Mo Ali Cox for a second? Former yes. basketball player at Virginia Commonwealth. And dude just dumps up and gets drafted by the Colts. And he's been awesome. Jack Doyle was nowhere to be found on the field. So Mo Ali Cox is definitely the number one tight end option for sure. Catching two tight yeah. I mean. And, uh, he could be the next Antonio Gates. Very <laughs> good. Or Tony Gonzalez. Or um, anyone else who's played Jimmy basketball. Graham. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that he played basketball? Yes. Yes. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Or Chris. I feel um, like Chris Collinsworth always mentions tight end basketball players but love the guy still love the guy chris collinsworth you're talking about you love the guy oh yeah oh, oh yeah i love chris collinsworth i think he's great but he yeah. also mentions their basketball past a lot uh, which is fine i mean like it's it, it makes sense like it's always relevant i think collinsworth is a strange man but he's definitely fit for sunday night football and as i said i love sunday night football so um i will never give any disrespect to anybody on that crew so um, with, with that being said um Let's uh, transition here into our game pick because it's Thursday night and the Seahawks and Rams are getting things started from Lumen Field in Seattle. They'll be playing in about four hours, let's say. And uh, Elijah, what is your game pick here? Because this is the best Thursday night football game we've seen in a, in a few weeks here. So well, what do you I got? Do think the one last week, the, the, the Bengals and Jags, even though they're not the best teams in the world. It was a good was, game. A great game. Great game. And I, I loved watching that. Um, we haven't even talked about Urban Meyer, but uh, I mean, I mentioned it in the mini sode. I said, I hope you're yeah. all having a better week than Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Oh my God, that's so goofy. Um, but yeah, I, ah, oh man, you know, this is, this is tough. I, part of me wants to say that the Rams are going to be able to rebound from that colossal loss to their rivals, but it's so hard to bet against Russell Wilson. And I, in a game that could absolutely go either way, I'm taking, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't, what, what do you do? You tell me first and I'll go based off of what you do. Oh, come on, man. Okay. okay. Well, okay. all right. Let's, um, let's talk about why I think Seattle will take the game and it's going to be because of the weather. And it's so cheesy to think about, but. I, I really do feel like the Rams have not prepared them. I mean, this will obviously be the first game, like fall-esque type game. I mean, the temperature is going to be in the high 50s, low four or high 40s, low 50s. And this is not 
conducive to who the Rams are, obviously playing an indoor stadium in SoFi. Um, so the home field advantage are given the edge. Yes, of course. And the 12s in Seattle are some of the best fans in all of football. So if we're just being cliche and picking based off of paper, especially with the impressive win that Seattle had on the road and how Russell Wilson is able to do against any defense, line them up, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that the Seahawks defense is going to be the key to this win because they can potentially knock Matthew Stafford off his feet. And I feel like the game against the Buccaneers and now the game against the Cardinals, all the teams that are watching who are playing the Rams in the upcoming season are going to have some sort of game plan to bring Matthew Stafford off balance. My one hope is that Cooper Cup does well just because I have him in my money league and I'd really like him to do well. So if Cooper Cup does well and provides the offense for the Rams, but then the Seahawks take it in terms of picks and getting ahead of the game, that's what I'm going with. You know, I hate to say it, but I think I, I think I do agree. I think I'm going to take Seattle to win. Oh. Like, and I'm not just saying that because you did. I, I, I really, I, it is the home field advantage. You know, I think it's going to be a very, very, very good game. 24 to 23, Seattle comes out on top Ooh. in an ultimate chess match between uh, two coaches with a very wide age gap. Um, but I do like Seattle to win this one at home. I think they have momentum for beating San Francisco. I think the Rams are really, really going to want to win. But, you know, like like playing after, you know, getting embarrassed at home. Well, not embarrassed, but, you know, getting their asses beat at home. I like Seattle to win by one point. Uh, so, yeah, you know, that's uh, – I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really oh, fun. Okay. All right. So, I didn't I didn't say a score. I just said Seattle would win. So, I'll say 27-23. Um, just 27, to kind of – Yeah, just to kind of put, put that to bed. Um, also – Really like the fact that you mentioned Pete Carroll and Sean McVay's age because quite literally Sean McVay's age times two is Pete Carroll. So 35 times two is 70. And that's how old Pete Carroll is. So um, insane, I know, but these are two of the best coaches in the NFL. One's a defensive-minded coach, Carroll. One's an offensive-minded coach, McVay. So um, like you said, chess match. I'm pretty sure you think the Rams, you think Seattle's going to cover. or I I think the Rams are going to cover. You don't think the Rams are going to cover. Because I'm pretty sure the line's at what? I'm, I'm guessing it's three. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check. Oh, it's two and a half. Okay. So you think that the Seahawks are going uh, to win by four. Four. And so I'm taking, I'm taking the Rams to cover the spread, which is two and a half, but still lose. Okay. Well, so that, that, that's the difference in our picks. But at the same, like, we're still picking, like, we, we, do, we do the money line here. You know, we do, we pick winners. But, um, but that, like, if there's a difference in what we're picking, that's what the difference is. True. Okay. Well, it's going to be a very entertaining game, nonetheless. Watch it on NFL Network with our Fox crew calling the game from Seattle tonight. And um, we are going to drop an episode, hopefully, pretty quickly here because we recorded on Thursday for our recap of week four. And now we get to preview week five, hopefully, in the, in the coming days. So stay tuned for that. Get our podcast on anchor which streams to spotify and google amongst podcasts and follow elijah on twitter at easy me on twitter noah friedman underscore and catch us again for our next episode of the cross-country sports podcast shabbat shalom almost